On this episode, the guys welcome David Snively to talk about the State of the Union, Donald Trump, and immigration before giving their takes on Super Bowl 52. Spoiler alert, they were wrong. Welcome to Mansplain Everything. introduce uh david yep uh so david is a law enforcement officer uh he's been in the atlanta area for about seven years he's from georgia and he's a very educated man uh a bs in criminology political science uh from university of west georgia his master's in public administration from ksu and working on his phd in criminology KSU is that Kansas State University? So, uh, Kennesaw, State. Kennesaw State. Okay, all right. I was gonna because my wife went to Kansas State, and I was like, when I saw KSU pop up, I was like, oh shit! But okay, Kennesaw State. All right, very well. So a PhD in criminology. I don't think I know anybody with that. <laughs> how how was that coming about? Yeah. So I outside of kind of like academic circles, you, you really don't see it. And I think one of the things that's always been frustrating to me as a student uh, and then reading studies, you know, the statistics, you always look at them and go, well, that doesn't, I don't know, as, as a police officer, those numbers don't sound right to me. That doesn't, that doesn't match with either what I've seen or what, what's been described to me. Um, and so I just kind of got this idea of, well, if, if I can get the degree, um, I can do my own research or I can critically read the research that other people are doing and, and figure out you know, what it's saying, what it should say, uh, how it should be interpreted or how it should be conducted. So um, I, on a uh, off chance, I, I swore when I finished my master's that I'd never go back to school. Uh, I just sort of shot in the dark, applied. I accidentally got in. And uh, <laughs> so I've been going to school ever since. Yeah, I, but it happened quick. You went from swearing you weren't going to do any school uh, at the end of getting your master's and then like a week later, you were, uh, hey, y'all need to start calling me doctor now. Is that Dr. <laughs> like, Dick? Is that is that how it works? Is it, I don't know, with a police hole, police angle? Is that how it... Yeah, I, I couldn't decide whether I should be like doctor, sergeant, or sergeant, doctor. So I was just, uh, I think I settled on doctor first. But I, I, as it turns out, I've been told you have to earn the degree now. Oh, you don't just get to apply and that works? <laughs> yes. Well, Bill Cosby, has is they called him doctor for a, a while. Till this whole recent thing, but he was a doctor and he yeah. never even sniffed a school. I don't think. So it was one of the, one of the TV doctors, the TV doctors of America. He was, he was everybody's hero until he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, so you mentioned some of the stats that don't line up with what you see. Uh, can you give us an example of, of something that you noticed that you thought wasn't right? And you thought maybe getting this yourself, might uh might you might be able to yeah. make a difference there i mean so one of the things that you like super recent topics is you look at um police body cameras uh and some of the pilot studies the initial data that comes back is that you know hey these officers wore body cameras and their use of force went way down by x percent and their citizen complaints went down by x percent and like it's an awesome we gotta have body cameras for everybody um, and it happens that I actually like the body cameras. I think they're a great tool. But uh, in that setting, 
now from an academic perspective, I look at it and say, yeah, but where, what was, what was the control group? You know, how did, how did that data line up? What other variables occurred during the same time span? Um, there's things that, and, and I'm still learning, but things that you run called multiple regressions to account for other factors that influenced the way those percentages fell. Was it just the body camera? Was it the where the body cameras were deployed? Which neighborhoods they went to? Um, and so just sort of, I, I thought that, and, and what I found even in the early semesters going to, to class and talking to the, the people who had a purely academic background was I was able to come in and say, well, yeah, but from a, a realistic or a real world perspective, that won't work and here's why, um, or this will work and here's why. Uh, so it's been kind of a, a really cool, challenging, but cool way to interact on a, a really high level and say, yeah, here's, here's some ways that we can bring this to policing and, and do better research um, to, to get a better outcome. So I'm, I'm curious, and I, and I know that this, it could go down all kinds of wormholes or, or not, but what, so what is the research for body cameras? Um, there is very little peer-reviewed uh, research right now. Um, most of what you see is really early uh, kind of preliminary data. I forget. I just read one yesterday or the day before. I think it's Miami. Uh, did a study where basically half of the city wore body cameras. And, and the early numbers were great. And almost uh, D.C. did a big study on it. The early numbers are great. When the cameras are deployed, the police shoot the force gets cut way down. Um, complaints against police go way down. Um, but then what we saw in... DC, which is the longest kind of sustained study, which still hasn't been peer reviewed, um, was that that kind of leveled off. Uh, the officers basically forgot the cameras were there. The public forgot the cameras were there. And so the complaints went back up to their same levels. Use of force, pretty much the, the first close to empirically reviewed article says that use of force stays about the same. Um, the police use of force is pretty much the same mm -hmm. whether or not there's a camera present. Which makes sense. You'd, you'd hope that that would be the case, I would think, right? I mean, yeah, would, that's 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 what you would ex as a police officer. Right. That's what you would hope the data show. Right. Uh, maybe not, the criminals maybe are hoping it's different. But as a police officer. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. You know, I was just watching a uh, documentary. I don't know if you guys have seen it. it's on Netflix. It's uh, called I think it's called Dope. Have you ever seen this? I haven't. It's a. Uh, it's really kind of screwed up. It's it's all about like the whole drug trade, essentially, is what it is, you know. So it's it's got like the uh, kind of both sides. So it has like follows police officers and it also follows the addicts and, and dealers during it. Well, they follow this uh, dealer in Baltimore, and they're kind of like they have a whole hour long on Balt Baltimore, and it's right after that whole Freddie Gray situation went down. And he explains he's like, yeah, he goes, a new law in Maryland now says that. Um, in the state of Maryland, there is no more plainclothes police officers, zero. And he's like, we love this. It makes, he's like, it is great. This is from the dealer. The dealer is like, this is awesome. Cause Hey, I can see everybody coming from a mile away. And it's just, uh, it was just interesting. Cause as soon as I heard that, I was like, I was like, oh man, that that's interesting that, you know, these guys know the laws like that. And they're like, oh, perfect. You know? I'll give you a similar excellent example. I worked uh, at my previous law enforcement agency. I worked for two departments. The department I worked before where I'm at now, uh, when I started there, our pursuit policy was if they're running, you can chase them. And we chased everybody for everything, no questions asked. 
uh, with, with, I mean, unless they were just absolutely crazy through rush hour traffic. We chased everybody. When the department switched to a, a no pursuit policy where we were only allowed to chase for the most serious felony crimes, it only took a couple of weeks. And we were having car chases start to every two or three days. Wow. Where normally you get a car chase every two or three months, they were starting every two or three days because people, the word got out. As soon as you start a chase and 30 seconds into it, you turn your lights and siren off and, and turn around, the, the huh. bad guys know, hey, this jurisdiction is not allowed to chase me anymore. And wow. word fast. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that happened once at my per- former agency as well. We were at a road check and we had, we had the police department and we had the sheriff's department. We were working together on the road check. We weren't allowed to chase for traffic violations. The sheriff department was. The guy pulls up to the road check, um, says, sorry, man, I don't have an ID and floor is it. Um, and I stood there and said, he's running for because he ain't got a license. Well, the sheriff's department jumped into their cars, chasing down. We caught him and he said, I thought y'all weren't allowed to chase. <laughs> said, hey, man, not. you guys are not playing the rules. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous! Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, like that guy there can chase you, but I can't because our our badge is a different color. Like, yeah, what that makes any sense? Yeah, yep. it, that's pretty wild too. Just knowing that that just you know a county over has completely different rules, you oh, know, yeah. and yeah. that this cop can just or this not cop, but the the criminal can just be like, well, I'm just gonna toe the line on this you know imaginary line down the street. And, and once the, they come, I'm just going to jump over on this side. I think there's a there's a big thing of that in um, St. Louis. So you're St. Louis. Uh, wait, no, Kansas City. So there's Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City. Um, what's the other state state that's in Kansas, uh, Kansas, right? Kansas City and Missouri. Jeez. And uh, yeah, they, they, they fall. I saw some documentary there. They're talking about like the prostitutes in that in that town. And that's where they hang out is on that uh, city line or the state line. So it's, they have like different types of laws. So they just hop back and forth from state to state to just avoid nonsense because they don't have jurisdiction in each other. I was like, man, that's just got to be a real pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. So what Trump's going to fix for us, though, right? Well, you would think. You would think. I doubt it. Make but. it great again. <laughs> Well, so I guess, David, uh, as a law enforcement officer, I know that you've uh, seen the State of Union address, but it was very law enforcement friendly. Um, A lot of support from the people there and the president there. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, I think um, especially when he started talking about um, uh, immigration reform and and some of the the pillars of that or the tiers of that 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 he wants to see enacted, um, he really gave a strong emphasis on the protections that it would give to uh, the criminal justice officers uh, and to the criminal justice system and and some of the integrity he he thought that that would give. Um, And, you know, it was interesting. He broke down sort of Part, different parts that he thought was were going to impact it the, the most. Uh, I know he put a lot of emphasis on building the wall uh, and, and how he thought that was going to, to impact immigration. But he also stressed, um, you know, ending the visa lottery and, and just changing, overhauling what this immigration system is going to look like. And, and by having some of the, the family members there who are victims of crimes perpetrated by Sir 13, which is notorious for coming into the country illegally, especially in California. Um, I, I think he was trying to underscore that, hey, look, this is immigration. 
illegal immigration poses a, a risk of serious violence to people in our community. And, and we have an opportunity to stop that and an obligation to. So in Georgia, what are you guys seeing for, um, you know, illegal immigrants or whoever, you know, as far as like in your in your daily um, policing duties? Or is, is it something you see a lot or is it, you know, maybe that's just somewhere else? Because I mean, you know, if you, you know, you watch the news, it seems like it's everywhere and, and maybe it is. I don't know. Well, it really is, but and, and David can pick this up right or right where I live off. But we don't we don't have any resource for dealing with anything immigration. It's it's to the point where we interact with people that are competent are illegal aliens, but we don't even ask that question. We ask them, "Hey, uh, you know what happened to you?" Because they called us because they got robbed or their house got broken into. So that's our interaction with them. We, we're not, I've, I've been a cop for 15 years and I've never picked someone up and hauled them off because they're an illegal immigrant. But what about, what about it? Um, like you got somebody that committed a crime of some, or some reason and you get them, you get them back and you find out they're illegal. Is there, do you see that ever? No, we don't even ask that question. Uh, we talk about the crime that they committed and we, we arrest them for that crime and whatever happens after that, if they do get deported, um, it comes from, I, I don't know, I don't even know where it would come from because I've arrested people before and they just end up, you know, going home after they bail out or. Okay. So or from a police and angle, there's, there's, there's no difference in one perp to the next. Yeah, no, there's, there's really not. And in Georgia, you know, we have 159 counties um, and each county has its own sheriff's office. And of those 159 sheriff's offices, there's less than 10 that take part in the, the federal uh, uh, collaborative program um, that, that has ICE dedicated officers who are screening for illegal immigrants. One of those is the Cobb County Sheriff's Office, uh, and, and they do have deputies who are assigned to screen people who are coming into their facility and determine what their immigration status is. But, I mean, you're saying 10 may at best. 10 out of 159 counties are doing that. Right. Uh, so really, the for local law enforcement, how often are we dealing with people or interacting with people here are here illegally? I think every officer is dealing with somebody who is here illegally multiple times every day, at least where I work. Okay. Um, several times every single day, several people who are here illegally uh, with no opportunity to even, like Jeff said, no opportunity to even investigate it. And is that that's yeah, is that just something that's mandated from, you know, that you just it's like almost like the don't ask, don't tell type of thing. Just we don't even ask that question or it's just not you don't have the resources to do it if you wanted. Neither. Neither. We don't have they could tell us it, the, the resource we have when we're working is to check for a driver's license or if they have an existing warrant. But someone could be an American citizen and not have a driver's license. But and that doesn't mean they're illegal. So we wouldn't know the difference. And. And I, I can't speak for every officer out there, but me personally, I don't even ask the question. Like it, it doesn't matter. I don't have the resource to confirm. I don't have any type of avenue to take any action towards someone that's illegal. They're just a regular person. And I treat them the same as any other regular person um, that, I, that I would deal with, whether they're illegal or not. 
Yeah, and I think it's important to say too that you know a lot of those people that we're dealing with, they are here illegally. They they have been victims of crimes. It does not alter our response uh, in any way. We we uh, and, and and I mean that in a sincere way. I know there are people who will probably disbelieve that, but uh, every case that we deal with completely irrespective of, of what the person's immigration status is, if they're the victim of a crime, we investigate that crime. Um, and it's given the same attention as, as it is for any other victim. So you're saying part of the 911 call is not, you know, are you an American citizen? Yes <laughs> or no? Yeah, yeah. There's there's not a, it's not a, it's not a two-tier system, you know. We go, to, <laughs> go to the White Houses first, and then we, we get to whichever, whichever, whoever's next in line. It right. doesn't work that way. Yeah. So... You know, just just out of curiosity, um, not even from a cop angle, what's your opinion on this whole wall? You know, <laughs> I, I, I like the I like the symbolism of it. I like the idea that we have a president who is willing to say, you know what? Countries have borders and countries have borders for reasons because resources are not limitless. And the resources that belong to our country have to be protected so that we can take care of our citizens. And then we are able to, with an adequately prepared and healthy and equipped and capable citizenry, we can then serve other parts of the world. Um, and, and so whether the wall is an effective approach or not, I don't know. You know, you hear all the show me a 10 foot wall, I'll show you an 11 foot ladder. Uh, sure. Yeah. But I, I like the idea that we at least have somebody who's willing to start a passionate conversation and say, we have borders. Our country has borders and we're going to defend them. Yeah, at least enforce the borders we have. I mean, whether a wall or not, you know, it really it boils down to just policing that border. And if you're going to put money towards having um, INS agents on the on the on the border, actually patrolling it more, you know, if that's your idea of a wall, then that's a wall. I just I saw something recently. It was um, they had a test like on the the prototypes for the wall and they had a. Uh, I guess they were doing pretty good. They had people trying to like breach them and scale them and everything. They said they had one guy get to the top of it and it was a 24 foot wall, I think. Um, wow. Yeah. Got one. No, maybe it was even taller than that. It was a big, it's a big wall. Um, had one guy was able to scale it to the top and then freaked out and couldn't come down. They had to, they had to bring a um, ladder out for him or like one of those, uh, like a telephone bucket. You know, to, to go get him. Yeah. So I was like, That's a, what's what's the selection process like for for hey the wall testers? Yeah. Like, I, how did that go out? Hey, we need a group of guys to show up and try to scale this. Like, I think they just go to like the 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 Ninja Warrior guys. You know, the, you know, like that would be that would be my pool that I would pick from. I wonder if they did that. Yeah, they, it probably wasn't very far off it. <laughs> Maybe they have like a special like. Uh, uh, try out in the prisons you know like hey man you jumped a lot of fences to get away from us hey go check this one out that'd be awesome that'd be putting a man to work you know that a prison release give him a job yeah there you go hey man jumping trump's fence yeah (laughs) well i got a question um so back in 2013 obama said the exact same thing and and his speech was actually even a little more harsh than trump's was and then in 95 uh, Bill Clinton said the exact same thing. David, what do you think the difference between Obama in, in 2013 and Clinton in 1995 is? Like, why is it such a big deal now? And it wasn't a big deal when the two those two prior presidents said the exact same thing. 
Yeah. So I, you know, I think by, by big deal, you why is it drawing such enormous criticism? And, and I, you know, I know that Donald Trump is a, a polarizing figure. There's, there's no question about that. Um, we're also a, I think a more divided country and, and I think sort of unnecessarily. And I, I think, you know, talking about the state of the union, you saw a very divided Congress yesterday, <laughs> um, you know, with half of them sitting and half of them standing. And so I, why two Democratic presidents can say we need to enforce our borders and it's met with ovations and, and then a Republican president can say we need to enforce our borders and it's met with scowls and, and sucking of teeth. And uh, I, I think it speaks to a little bit more of the rhetoric uh, that is being, I would dare say, perpetrated um, on, on the American public, largely through mainstream media, but I, I, I think it has to do with the divide that we're seeing across the country. And I, I think, Jeff, that no matter what the president said last night on any topic, it was going to be met with tremendous criticism and, and enormous pushback, no matter how beneficial it was. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think, you know, I really think the left just really likes to pander to their audience, you know, and so they get this wall or whatever it may be but now they're starting to realize that they get a lot of votes from these you know uh immigrants or or whatever it may be you know even illegals are starting to work that angle to be able to let them vote so they see it really as votes not necessarily as much as caring for these people at all it's really a vote to keep them in office and and so whatever they can do to say that we'll get them reelected they're they're willing to do that you know and i don't i don't i think that's pretty much been their stance for forever. And, you know, I, I can't say that the Republicans don't do the same thing. They have a, just a different base and they're, they're willing to say what they, what they think they want to hear to get elected. I mean, that's, I guess that's part of the job, but I just think, uh, it, it's, it's just kind of odd that it's, you know, there's a, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Caddyshack, but, um, there's a, there's a scene in Caddyshack where, um, this guy, Danny, who's one of the main things he's, uh, trying to get scholarship money and, uh, he's out caddying for all these people and, and doesn't matter who he's caddying for. He, he immediately tries to relate to them, you know? So he's talking to one guy and he's like, you know, he's the Bishop and he's like, Oh, I've often thought of going to, uh, you know, a religious school, you know, in the, in the, uh, you know, the preacher's like, oh, are you Roman Catholic? He goes, oh, yes, I am. He goes, oh, sorry, you can't come. And he's like, oh, you know, and then uh, and then he's talking to the judge. He's, and he's, like, he's like, oh, I often thought of going to law school. And the judge says, yeah, well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. You know, so there's just and anyways, it's just a big, long joke that it kind of relates. It seems like to the way the Democrats work, you know, but it just reminds me there's always there's this one guy that comes up after seeing him, you know, grovel with all these people and he he's holding a golf club and he goes you know i've often thought of becoming a golf club you know and it's just this big long joke but it's but just it just always seems uh what's going on in the world today yeah i i think in, i mean you're, you're describing i think the life of a salesman and i think in in many ways that's what the politicians are are doing and what they're they're doing is they're they're dealing and selling in in their office and trying to like you say trying to get their votes um the the problem with that and I think now more than ever we have a a public who has the capacity or the ability to be attentive and be engaged and so suddenly people who 
haven't paid attention to politics, didn't care about politics, or are not interested in it, now all of a sudden they're watching. And I, I think last night, I, I think it's important, and, and I don't know, time will tell, I think it may be important that an interested America was watching a president deliver a speech where he rattled off success after success after success, and although he took credit for a lot of them, and that ultimately is, is what the president does, uh, he was rattling off successes of American policy. And I don't think it has anything to do with, with who did it. I think the American public is able to say, hey, my country is doing well, but a lot of my elected leaders are sitting there angry. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I don't think it was a very good look for him at all. I mean, they got these guys, you know, and it was the funny thing was, is it seemed like it was a lot of things that should have been not polarizing at all. It should have been things that everybody was like, at least get up and be like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, like, hey, our economy is doing really well, you know, and you got Democrats scowling over there like, you know, it's like, so what are you scowling about? Well, sure. Yeah, you've got you've got members of the Congressional Black Caucus, right, who have no problem identifying themselves in their regalia. And ostensibly, the Congressional Black Caucus exists to to better the plight of the disenfranchised people. And then you hear a statistic that says, hey, African-American unemployment rates to the lowest they've been in decades. It's six point eight percent. And the Congressional Black Caucus who who these these people ought to they laud themselves as heroes in the black community cannot applaud at historic unemployment rates for the very people that they're purporting to represent that's right. huge right i think i you know i think it was a hell of a troll job by donald trump i think that guy is a master at it i think he wrote that speech purely thinking okay i'm going to hit all the points that shouldn't be divisive at all i'm going to rattle off everything that should make i mean you know, hey, I'm going to let 1.8 million illegal immigrants go ahead and stay here, you know, over the next 10 years. Or I think that's what the number was, you know, and oh, blacks are doing really well. Minorities are doing well. We're going to have, you know, this one point five trillion dollar infrastructure plan, which has always been Democrat big butter thing. And uh, and I'm going to watch him just sit there and be pissed about it. And I think I think it was perfect. I think that was probably the smartest move that guy's made since he came in office. I mean, he he just showed out from, you know, according to him, the biggest the biggest uh, audience that, you know, the uh, State of the Union's ever known. It was huge. It was hugely. Uh, but he showed a lot of pe- people showed their ass on that. And uh, a lot of people saw it in the public. It's, it's hard to imagine that he didn't come out the winner. It's hard to imagine that anyone else has an argument because he didn't get up there and he didn't say anything offensive. He didn't say anything rude. He didn't even really say anything that anybody could argue with. But some people were so angry about it still. And then now they just they look like a sourpuss. Like, how can people say that that wasn't a completely effective speech? How can they say it wasn't good? Like, what argument do they have? Well, I right think now? I, uh, one of the polls came out. It was like 75 percent of people thought that it was that it was good. You know, it. I, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I was kind of watching it to thinking it was going to be a little bit of a train wreck, you know, but uh, it wasn't yeah, bad. No, he, he did pretty well staying on script, I think. Um, you know, he, he didn't ramble a lot. And um, yeah, 75 percent thought that, that, that he did well. Uh, and I think something like 68 percent came out and said that they, they felt better and more energized about America after the speech. Um, you know, I think. I, I, today, 
uh, yesterday and today as I've tried to look through some of the, the press coverage and some of the fact check reports and stuff that have come out. When I was reading the New York Times um, fact checks, and, and one of the things that I kept seeing again and again was true but needs context. And so they're, they're saying that the, the president's claim was true, but it needs context. Well, of course it needs context. The, yeah. the president is giving a, a one-hour summary of these complex political ideas, programs, policies, and he's, and he's condensing them into the highlight reel for an hour. So, of course, it needs context. But that, right, that, that's your duty as if you want to be an informed public. You hear a policy or you hear a number that the president throws out and you're intrigued by it. Go look it up. Go, go find the context. So true, but needs context. I think I think it's it's trying to create the appearance of disparity where there isn't one. Yeah, and I, Bernie Bernie came out right after that and and hammered a lot of those those wickets. You know, he had a, he had a number for everything. Bernie's like got to be at least five hundred years old right now. You know, and <laughs> it's like I, oh. I don't know. I don't know if the guy who thinks everything should be free is is the person whose math we should be trusting. <laughs> right, right. I did see him clapping some though, so he had to agree with something in there. Well, he's. I mean, he did. He did. I'll give him that. He didn't pull the Pelosi trick and just sit there and gum his teeth all day long. He did. Uh, he did clap for some of that begrudgingly. So he, what, I, <laughs> what I thought was interesting, and, and tell me if I'm remembering this wrong, but, um, but President Trump, he got up there and he he had you know what was it every. 10 minutes or something, he would have a story of, of some type of act of valor or some type of heroic thing that someone in America does, whether it was the officer adopting um, a baby from a heroin addict, or it was the soldier who went back into the building and, and rescued his partner, or it was the business owner that was able to employ um, and people and give them raises. And then that employee was able to, uh, to put that money towards his children's education. Uh, it, he had like a positive message with all these different stories. And, and there were messages that almost anybody could relate to. And, and what I remember about the last administration was the, the parents of people killed by police given the floor. Right. And it's just, that, that's just a huge difference. Who are you? And like, who are you catering to? Are you catering to 99% of the United States or are you catering to a small group whose poor life decisions put them in the situation they were in? Um, and that, that's a big difference for me. Yeah. I, am I, am I remembering it wrong? Was there, is there something that, that I'm missing? No. And I think I, I, you know, I listened to Ben Shapiro today and I listened to him a lot and, uh, he actually brought up you know, a pretty interesting correlation between uh, Trump and, and Obama. He said that Obama spent most of his time almost talking down to the American people as as to um, kind of the way we thought. He, he thought that, you know, Americans, you know, we could do better. Everything was you could do better. You know, oh, we're not doing enough for this. We're not we're not trying hard enough. We could be better at this. Um you know, we, we still see a lot of color and then this and that where Trump was more on a positive note, like, hey, we're kicking ass. We're kicking ass every day and we're doing we're doing a good thing. And it was just a, it was just a totally different message. So you got people walking away from Trump thinking, hey, things seem to be going pretty good. You walk away, you feel good about yourself where you listen to Obama and it's like, oh, I'm a white piece of shit. I got I really 
I don't know what I'm doing with my life, you know, and that, and that's, those are the two different things, you know? I well, I that. think you see that, um, reflected in the fact that Trump was elected in, in the first place after sort of the train wreck of a campaign that he had, um, <laughs> yeah. and, and why he defied people's expectations is because I think people are, are tired. It, irrespective of race, I think people are tired of being told like, hey, you're an American and you're doing a really shitty job of being an American. You, yeah. you should be doing better. Your policy, you know, the, the American people, they, there are things that we can improve on. Absolutely. Um, but there are also things that we're doing well. And I think the State of the Union is a chance for the, the president to check in with the people he's he is supposed to be representing and say, hey, here's 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 your status update. Here's the things that we're doing well. Um, and I think he really, I think he really did that. And he hit on a lot of really big things that we are doing well. Right. I would agree with that. What other, <clears throat> David, what other fact checking, uh, when you're doing your fact checking research, were there any other allegations that what he was saying were, were lies? Was there anyone found anything that wasn't true that should be pointed out? Uh, the only one that really jumped out at me was his claim that it was the the most watched um, uh, State of the Union address in history, uh, and so apparently it wasn't. Apparently it was it was number six. Um, some of the ones that it's rated behind were not technically State of the Union addresses. Some of those were inaugural addresses. Uh, uh, one being his own uh, his his twenty seventeen address uh, had a, a couple hundred thousand more views. Um, President Obama's a initial address to Congress uh, had a couple hundred thousand more, or excuse me, a couple million more views than his did last night. Um, that one struck me as odd only because it was, it, it's so easily checked. So I'm, I'm not sure why he, he pushed that one quite the way he did to, to say that it was the most watched in history um, when it is pretty quickly debunked. Yeah. I think, I, I think that guy has his, sometimes he gets to make his own tweets and he's just, he's just kind of, He's just kind of that way. And I, I don't think I, I don't know. I, I think he probably needs to knock it off a little bit, but he does seem to like to overinflate his ego a little bit like he's trying to sell something to somebody. But that's just, you know, you just kind of learn that that's kind of his shtick a little bit. And I would move on. Well, did he say that at the time of the speech or did he come back and say that later? No, I, I tweeted it this morning um, okay. or yesterday. One. Yesterday morning, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, there was a there was a couple little uh, facts, you know, where you talk about um, his. Uh, uh, what were we saying? Uh, true, but not need some clarification or I can't remember the exact words there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was talking about like job growth and we're at the highest job growth or something. But hey, we actually grew less jobs this year than we did last year, I think was was uh, I think that's what Bernie brought up. But. You know, and, and I, and I don't know, I don't do the math on that, but uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a few different little trickles like that where, yeah, you could say over the long run, yeah, we're doing much better now, but maybe we're slowing down and he's hitting it right here at this point. We'll see. We'll see probably within the next few months if that's the case or not. And that's a point that came up too in, in the wall street journal and the New York times, um, and, and the CNN analysis where we're saying that, um, you know, yeah, these things are, are true, but you know, can, can, can Donald Trump really take credit for them? Uh, you know, for example, he made a, a statement that 98% of the portions of Iraq and Syria 
uh, that were controlled by ISIS had, had been freed from that control. Um, and the New York Times said, well, well, yeah, they have, but, but really that's the result of the Obama policies. Uh, that were enacted, and he's just kind of riding the Obama coattails of that. And it, you know, I, I, again, I think it gets into this. It doesn't. It does not matter which politician. The podium is going to try to take credit for for the policy decision that's that's working or being successful. But ultimately, as the the commander in chief, he has a responsibility to comment on the success of his troops, and that is a fact. Well, well, I tell you what, I I don't think the Wall Street Journal bothered to ask any generals about that because anytime you listen to those guys, it's all yeah. Well, they kind of took the kind of took the ropes off our hands, you know, and let us get after it. And it's, it seems like that's been pretty much a universal theme as oh. Yep, they let us. They let us go, and they let us do what we do instead of the last previous administration that's always been, you know, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down, and uh, let's try to bureaucrat them to submission. So I've got a question for you guys. Then, do what? What do you make this? It, it to, to me, my impression on this is that they're sort of making much ado of nothing, right? We're, we're making mountains out of molehills on these these slight inaccuracies or overrepresentations or, or, or slightly out of context phrases. Is there something to that? Is there some reason why all of these mainstream outlets are, are coming back and saying, well, this is off, this is off, this is off, and, and creating these, these the appearance of, of impropriety? Well, I think that's just been the, that's been the case since he was 2016 when he trotted his ass down the escalator. You know, that they've been blowing anything this guy says up. Um, you know, and, and Honestly, I never wanted this guy to be president. I didn't, but he, but he is now. Um, but I think they take everything he says now and just try to, you know, ramrod it somewhere that it don't belong. Um, you know, even when he says something innocuous, it doesn't really, he didn't mean anything by, they try to turn it into, you know, he's trying to start world wars with Korea or, or whatever he's trying to do. I just think they, I think they got it out for him. I think it's pretty apparent. Well, I don't think you can give up at this point if you're them. So when he was, when the campaign was still going on, they were, you know, everyone labeled him as, as, you know, a Nazi or Hitler. And then there's been no, no similarities between President Trump and, and Hitler. So they kind of, you can't paint someone as Hitler. And then when he completely doesn't, that doesn't come true at all. Like, where do you go from there? You know, so you just have to keep on the train. You can't change your mind and say, oh, the guy that I thought was Hitler actually turned out to be a really good president and is the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they kind of they kind of kept yeah. one upping it. And then they that that, that was kind of like their coup de grace was uh, he's Hitler. And and then he still got elected. So it's now it's like, well, <laughs> until you're exterminating an entire race of people, you're not. Hitler. It's pretty <laughs> tough to be Hitler. Uh, it's tough. It's pretty worthy. Yeah. So is that kind of is that kind of taken away like the evil of Hitler? Like if you can call this guy Hitler and he's not really doing anything evil like Hitler actually did, does that? I mean, are people that actually went through what Hitler did? Well, but they still you? have people saying that they had uh, somebody from, I think it was from the Black Caucus, not, not like a couple of days ago, said, you know, we haven't seen anything like this since, you know, nineteen thirty four, you know, and. And uh, it's like, oh, yeah, except for that whole part where he was rounding people up in train cars and gassing the shit out of them. Well, he hasn't done that yet, but he must be close because I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what he's doing that's Hitler-esque. But 
apparently that wall is really bugging him. <laughs> you know, that's that's the only I can't I don't know what what is what is his other policies that they are really I mean, that they're willing to just sit down because some kids, you know, putting flags on uh, veterans tombstones and they're still like, fuck you, kid. I'm going to sit here. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's here's another when you're talking about American patriotism, here's a kid who went out and said, hey, this cemetery is not well taken care of. I'm going to honor all these veterans. Like, how do you not applaud that? And <sighs> I, I, I think, you know, for as much as we talk about this, this this growing schism in America, this growing divide, I, I think you're seeing a growing resent um, it, between it, you, you might even call it between classes with the, the political elites who have, have been able to uh, kind of, as Jeff said a little while ago, talk down at the American people for so long. And now an American people who are going, hey, wait a minute, he's, he's talking about me and, and I'm not that way. Right. You know, these guys are able to easy to, you know, you know, talk about a thousand dollars being crumbs when you, when you live in a friggin' huge mansion, you know, that is crumbs to you. That's good. But, you know, but you know, for most of us, if, if somebody gave us a thousand bucks, we'd be pretty happy about that. I, I certainly would be happy about a thousand dollars right now. If somebody just gave it to me and was like, Hey, here's a, here's a tax break. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bitch about it. Well, yeah. And Nancy, Nancy Pelosi's slamming the, the thousand dollar tax credit that we're getting here, but she's, she's lauding the, the, uh, what was it, the $96 credit from, from the Obama administration in 2008. Right. Like, right. Yeah. The difference in the American's paycheck, $96 of paycheck or the stimulus bill, you know, the stimulus package, it was what 800 something like that dollars when Obama was, that was, you know, that was the tits. Everybody was going to be able to push it back into the economy and, you know, buy some new sneakers and it's going to be a great thing. You know, that was $800, but now a thousand dollars, that's, you're just spitting on us, us poor people. So yeah, I think I think in, insanity has limits, and I think the American people are trying to put limits on the insanity that, that are our, our politicians right now. Well, that Pelosi is definitely off for friggin' rocker. There's no getting around it, you know. And I'm, you know, it, it's hard to, I don't. I don't know. We, we <clears throat> for whatever reason, you, the U.S. tries to take their moral character from from California for some reason, right? All Hollywood and everything. <laughs> well, this is a state, you know. They're 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 all bad bashing Donald Trump, but they they elected friggin' Arnold Schwarzenegger as governor. They still got friggin' Nancy Pelosi in there for forever. You know, I mean, I don't know how many mansions and Botox she's gonna have to get before they kick her out of there. You know, I mean, they're broke, bankrupt. I I don't know why we're taking all of our social cues from them. Uh, I had a conversation with a guy just a couple of days ago, and and someone definitely needs to fact check this because I could be lying to you, and I have no idea. But he Probably he was are. telling me that he has a son that lives in San Francisco, and the city of San Francisco <coughs> is trying to pass a tax on all the money that people keep. From Trump's tax cuts. That's 100% true. That is, is true. It true. Yeah, I've heard that as well, that they're trying to pass some tax that it'll just basically, oh, good, you're getting this money back, but they're going to try to make it part of their state taxes that essentially it'll be a wash. Is <laughs> it, yeah. the people won't realize that the Trump administration gave them a tax break? Or? I don't know. I You know, 
I don't know when people are going to learn that, you know, uh, keeping your money is always a good thing. But it seems like they're like a lot of people are like, nah, I'm going to let this guy control my money. He knows what's best for me. He's going to he's going to spend that better than I would, which has always well, worked think, out in the government. But tell me how far off we are. Tell me how, how far off we from people learning that and, and people already know that now. And that's why Trump's in power. Uh, Trump said something last night that that the government is about is about, you know, your, your faith and your family. And it's not about laws and bureaucracies. Uh, you know, fix me if, if my quote, uh, if I'm quoting him wrong. But but that's what it, you know, that's what he said. And the people in charge in San Francisco, obviously, they they're not on that same boat. But he is, and he has enough supporters that put him in office. So I think you know the people are looking like, hey, what's going on with you know my faith and my family? Uh, these are more important than these laws that tax the tax savings that the president gave me and stuff like that like i think we're there yeah i mean the whole the whole u.s was founded on the idea of like hey just give me the ability to just do what i want to make a make a life for myself regardless of who i am what class i am or whatever give me the opportunity to excel and kind of stay out of my business i mean yeah i think that's where we were founded in, in, you know, what we're describing, they kind of pitches this, this, you know, socialism and, and we'd never go there. And I, 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 maybe more so than socialism, I think we're dealing with a, a lazy American people uh, who, who for a while were disengaged and, and sort of just kind of let trusted the politicians were working with their best interests in mind uh, and kind of let that happen. Uh, and I, I think we're seeing a re-energized people who are saying, well, wait, wait a minute, that's that's now that it's touching them, now that it's affecting us on an individual level, on a regular and recurring basis through regulations, through, uh, you know, they, they, I had a there's an intellectual debate that I had with somebody uh, over what should be a law or not, how are laws defined, what should crimes be. Um, you know, and it, it stemmed from this idea of police being over-involved. And should should police officers be responding to barking dog calls, or should you go tell your neighbor to bring their dog inside? You know, and so this this idea of what constitutes a crime, how much government involvement should we have? And I think that's part of this shift that we're starting to see right now. Is people are saying there's too many laws that are touching me that shouldn't be here. Right. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, I think that's that's one of Trump's big thing. Even you know even past laws is um, like regulations. He's trying to really cut down on a lot of that type of thing, which I, th- which I think is good. Okay. So I think the three of us are in agreement. I think the, the state of the union address was a win. I don't see any negative from it. I don't see how you can take something that he said and argue with it and say, Hey, the fact that unemployment's down, that's bad. We can't say that. Um, we can't say, Hey, here's a, a plan for immigration when every president ahead of him has come up with a plan as well. Like how is his bad and, and, and everyone else had a plan that didn't work. You know, speaking of immigration, one thing real quick about immigration, you know, and and I just kind of thought about this, but you know, everybody's like talking about, well, you need to have immigrants because who's going to, you know, all your stuff is farmed by immigrate, you know, these immigrants and blah, blah, blah. You know, that seems to be the big argument. <clears throat> well, yes, that's true. But though they're not farmed by illegal immigrants. 
there, there, that that just doesn't happen. There, there, there are immigrants. We have people that come through and work and then they go home. We have that in place. But there's a program for that. These people are brought in. They they work the farms. They they stay. They have. I think it's called H two A. And I, I probably should have asked this before, but um, but they come in. They work. They work the fields, and then they take their paychecks and they they take them home. And that's just, that's what it is. But it's not. These people aren't hiring illegals off the off the streets to go work for pennies. That's just not how it works out. That's just not the way it is. They hire contractors that go and they hire these workers, these documented workers to come in and work. Um, it's illegal <laughs> to pull this guy off the street and, and have him do that for you. That's not, it's not even legal now. So I don't know why there's this big thing about, Oh, we need to have these illegals to come in or else we're all going to be having to go pick our own cotton. Well, we already have people to do that legally. So I don't, that, that doesn't change anything. The wall doesn't change that. What the wall does stop is somebody to come in here, um, commit crimes, do whatever it is that they're doing. At least it takes it off us. Like if somebody's in here illegally and we have a wall, then, well, we tried at least, but just to say, Oh, well, that's not nice to have that wall. Then, then it's kind of on our hands at that point, I think. Yeah, and I think that's the frustration that, that you're seeing is, you know, nobody is against people who want to come here and make a better life and who want to work hard and who want to do well. What we're against are people who are here and taking advantage of our social services, our education, our health care uh, services, our food stamp services. And, and you know, in the, in the place where I work, uh, there's a, a corridor, a roadway that has uh, 17, 18 apartment complexes. And uh, uh, the, around 95% of that complex uh, is occupied by persons who are here illegally. And you sit, and my God, if you're trying to, to drive anywhere as the school buses go, you'll see two or three buses load up from each complex and take those children to a school that is 99% Hispanic. And that is in the 90s, illegal immigrants. Um, and, and some of them are dreamers. And I, I think you see in American people who say, look, we want who doesn't want kids to do well? Who doesn't want kids to have a healthy and productive and safe environment? But if we don't protect the society and the infrastructure that we have, it is not sustainable. And that's the whole point of a border. Right. I mean, you have you could do it one or two ways. And the other way nobody wants either is if you say to hell with it, we got open borders. Come on, let's go. No more social programs. You can do that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You got to pay. You got to pay to go to school. That's right. You got to pay your way. Let's do it. Open them up, you know, but you you couldn't do that because then you're heartless or then you're, you know, you're just shitting on the poor or whatever, whatever it is that they're going to say. I couldn't even tell you. But certainly they're going to have something about that. So apparently we have to let everybody in and also flip the bill for everything, which is where I think the people on the right are like no mas. And the people on the left are like mas. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. That's man. That's there. mansplaining right there. No mas. <laughs> mas. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of moss, are y'all drinking any moss whiskey uh, tonight? I, 
I'm not actually. I I I went to a wetting down this uh, afternoon, and I had a few beers there. A wetting down is uh, so I, I work with um, marine on a marine base, but um, one of the girls that goes to my gym, she's a marine, and she put on captain. So we went to her promotion oh. ceremony, and then after that, they go to the bar, and they normally put a bunch of money on the bar, and we all have some beers and stuff on them. So that's it's a wetting down. Wetting down, wetting down is what they call it. But So I had a few beers drinking, there. Yeah. Gin. You're drinking what? I'm drinking gin. That's a sweet little copper cup. We need to talk to uh, our, our possibly next guest to see if he, he really should make us some cups like that. Those are nice. It, oh, it should be probably cool. be a requirement. Yeah. Yes. These, yeah. These are, these are great mugs. Um, yeah. So actually I drank a few, uh, it was this coffee. It was a chocolate coffee milk stout and it was friggin' good. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, it, it's 11.5%, but you couldn't tell it was like drinking like a nice milkshake. <laughs> it was just really good. And, uh, Normally they put them in like these little eight ounce glasses, but because it was a wedding down, it was like they put them in a pint glass and they just topped it off. And I was like, okay. So yeah, they were, <laughs> they, were awesome. they were good. Yeah. <clears throat> what are you drinking, Jeffrey? I got, I actually got two drinks. I got, I got some old camp whiskey that I'm just drinking just straight. And then I finished off. I finished off that bottle of Fiddler, which okay. is the Atlanta whiskey that yeah. I got. And but I was mixing that with ginger ale, so I had a, a ginger and whiskey, and then a straight whiskey. So you're double fisting drinks over there. <laughs> well, I, I I was enjoying them both. That's not. That's, I guess that's one way to live. Take taking a sh- taking a shot and then chasing it down with a mixed drink. What was that? That's really good. Jeff, the other day you, you posted a picture. What were you? You were you were cleaning guns, drinking beer, and drinking whiskey. I mean, could could you be more American in that moment? <laughs> he was also watching Red Dawn on his TV. Yeah. I was watching Active Valor. Okay, Active Valor in his <laughs> yeah. in his uh, American under boxers. <laughs> well, I, I While wearing Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had gone to the range and I was doing some instructing with a couple students and I came back and I had some guns to clean and I had some whiskeys to drink and I had a new movie that I bought for three bucks from Walmart to watch. It was so Active Valor. All of those things happen at the same time. Was yeah. it good? Was it good? Was Active Valor good? Yeah, it was really good. The, that The scene in that, the hot extract, and I posted this online, the hot extract scene is insane. Really? So if you haven't seen that movie, uh, a, a, a woman who is a doctor from Mexico, she gets kidnapped. She's being held by these terrorists. They're torturing her because she was providing information to the CIA. The SEAL team, they go in, they infiltrate this, this little base that she's on. They kill all these terrorists with their sniper overwatch and they rescue her. And as they're fleeing in a pickup truck, they steal off the base. The groups of terrorists are now chasing them and other pickup trucks. So they pull up to a river and they're trying to jump into the river. They actually drive their truck into the river and the terrorists are pulling up behind them in their trucks and the two boats come in with the mini guns on them and these mini guns just destroy these terrorists. It, it, this scene is so exciting. Spoiler alert. Uh, I, it's, it, it's incredible. 
So it, it's just one of those scenes. I remember when the first time my wife and I watched that movie together, she made me rewind it and watch that scene again. That's how cool it is. Really? Katie made you yeah. do it? Yeah. Wow. So uh, speaking of movies and this, this might follow us into our dude versus dude. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I didn't really think of a dude versus dude, but I just saw this trailer. It's for uh, the new Dundee movie. Have you seen this? I haven't seen the trailer yet. Oh, my God. So have you heard anything about this? Nope. <laughs> it's got. Uh, what's that? I think we lost. I think we lost our guest. Oh, no, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can still yeah, hear, I can you. hear you. I can't see you. All right. Hold on one second. I think I'm coming back. Oh, he's making a comeback. We should probably explain to David <laughs> what dude versus dude is. All right. So dude versus versus dude, the idea of it and is just almost how it sounds is that, you know, there's just like the F word. There's a bunch of different inflections you can use in the word dude, and they all mean different things. So you have one that's like, dude, you know, this is awesome. Or you have dude. (laughs) That's a really dumb idea. So um, we we typically do it. We didn't do even do it last time. Mostly just because I'm tired of explaining it, <laughs> but uh, um, but anyway, so this movie Dundee, and I, I wish I would have pulled it up, but it has the guy from Eastbound and Down. Do you do you know who I'm talking about? The main character from Eastbound and Down. Yes. I can't, what's his name? I can't think of his name. I'm a pull. I'm a look it up right now. Okay, so anyways, he he uh. He is Crocodile Dundee's son in this. And he's Hold going, on, I'm going to tell it to you and you can edit all this out. Okay. Well, I mean, it don't matter. You're looking it up. You're the man. What's his name? Danny McBride. Yeah, Danny McBride. All right. So anyways, he is uh, Crocodile Dundee's son. He goes back to Australia for some reason or another. I don't know. I didn't quite catch it in, in the trailer, but there's uh, one of the Helmsworth brothers is in it and he's like the badass in this movie and then Danny McBride's kind of like the idiot but he's like <laughs> he's Crocodile Dundee's son so it's just the whole premise of it is they're they're going through this like adventure together but it goes through and like the the only like the funniest part in the damn trailer was that he, he's he he stopped at a truck and there's like this cow in the road and so Danny McBride's doing the whole um you know what I'm talking about from like the original one where like Crocodile Dundee puts his fingers up in front of the eyes and puts the cow to sleep do you do you guys remember this from this movie <laughs> I do not remember this okay so he puts he puts his fingers up you know and and uh Lee, I don't know one of the Helmsworth brothers I don't know the name he's like got his head out the head out the window and he's like uh he goes, I don't know if you're doing it right. And he goes, he goes, damn it. He goes, my dad taught me. This is how, this is. He said, you just go, put your fingers up like this. And you're, you're like, do that. Um, shit. I don't know. And he goes, yeah, but I think you got to be closer. And he zooms out and he's probably, he's like 30 feet away from this cow, you know? And it's like, I don't know. It's, it was kind of funny. If you had seen it, it, would, it makes more sense if you'd actually seen the original movie. I think all three of us probably should have seen it if we're going to do a dude versus dude on that. Yeah, you're probably right. But I, I, uh, I put it out on uh, Facebook. I'm like, there is like zero chance this movie's good. Like zero. It's, it's going to be a terrible movie, but I'm 100% watching this movie. 100%. There's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just got to be watched. It's just the whole premise of it just is a movie that you got to watch. 
Got it. I'll get it on Netflix. I'm on it. Yeah. See, I mean, already we got three people going, yep, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> even though nobody's even seen the trailer except me. And I've already told you, seeing the trailer, there's zero chance it's going to be good. And all three of us are like, yep, going to watch that. <laughs> They so. should hire you, Tony. They, you've got a job right now. You are the promoter for that movie. Yeah, yeah it's like, this movie's going to suck, but you're going to watch it. Pay me my money. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to it's gonna be huge. Huge, I say. Huge. So what do you guys think about the football games coming up? Dude, I, there, I don't. there a big game, big game happening this weekend? <laughs> And it's just a tiny, tiny little one. I I don't know if it's a big game. They call it Super, but I'm pretty sure that's uh, just a, a funny nickname they have for it. But I was uh, listening to some of the picks that we were making early in the playoffs, and I was I was only accurate about forty percent of the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with that being said, I'm still gonna pick the Patriots. I think they're gonna destroy the Eagles. I uh, hope. I just. I hope so. I well, well, this whole podcast, I feel like I've kind of tried to be the voice of the American people. So can I say that we're all pretty united in hatred against the Patriots? No, you can't. The fucking die and go away. Yeah, uh, you can't say, well, you're talking to one guy who's a huge Patriot fan, and that would be this guy. Um, <laughs> so, um, and you know that we're talking about America and how MAGA and everything. And um, I had this argument a long time ago with this with a lieutenant in the air force who it was, it was, um, it was before we'd lost to the giants, believe it or not in, in the super bowl twice, but it was before all that happened. But, um, he was giving me shit one time and he's like, the giants are America's team. And I was so what are you talking about? They're America's team. He goes, they're America's team. I mean, they're red, white, and blue. And I was like, really? I was like, yeah, that's, that's interesting because the Patriots are red, white, and blue too. And they're called the fucking Patriots. <laughs> and he just he just looked at me and he's like, and walked away. <laughs> so, you know, make America great again. Patriots are going to win big, I hope. There's, there was a thing on... Uh, Eagle is the, nation, is the national symbol. It's just as Patriots. Mm. I, they'll be American and hate the Patriots. That's fine. <laughs> I know. I, and I understand that 90% of the u.s hates the patriots and i get i get the whole that they do but you know i i prefer winners you know me and the me and the president <laughs> we prefer winners we like winners that do things good uh, and they've just been great for a long time they're huge they're huge you first your last brady is is the man he's the goat there's nobody better there's been some amazing videos online uh, about this Super Bowl, and they're all done like independently. Uh, and I, I should have pulled them up for this. Um, I'll put some links up on them. Uh, and I might have already done it on Mansplain Everything, but there was there's an Amendola song, which uh, somebody put instead of Hallelujah, you know the Hallelujah, Hallelujah. They they changed the song to Amendola, so it's Amendola, and it is fantastic like the whole thing talks about brady throwing to amandola and it it really tears me up i mean it was beautiful song they really did a good job um and then there was another one which was just hilarious it was a guy in boston and he spends about three minutes talking about how the patriots deserve to blow this team out because we've we've won five super bowls but they've all been really close games 
and the Patriot fans can't handle all these close games anymore. So we just deserve a blowout. We've put in our time. We've put in our work. So we deserve to have a game that we can just be happy the whole time and just really enjoy ourselves, which I thought was a very interesting take. And I, and I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> that is an interesting take. Yeah, it's a now good I take. Now about the the Falcons giving you three quarters of misery. Oh my God, it was the worst. It was the look worst. At it that way. Yeah, it was the worst. I mean, I was really, I had a high anxiety. Um, I didn't sleep well that night, even though we won. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. It was your, your eye watch told you you were in danger of having a heart attack. Right, it did. It was. <laughs> they're like your blood pressure is terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, the year before, uh, two years before that, when Seattle won, I was, uh, about two seconds away from throwing all of my Patriots gear that I had on in a fire that we were sitting next to watching the game. And then all of a sudden While Malcolm, still on you or, uh, yeah, it was, I was pretty drunk. It was probably just, I was probably gonna just throw myself into the fire. Um, and then Malcolm Butler made that <coughs> interception and I instead did cartwheels in my backyard and nearly got impaled myself on a fence. So I almost died that time. Um, I feel I feel like he's right. I should. Uh, I think we we deserve just a dominant performance. And I think we're going to get one. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. And the biggest thing about it is, is that any other team. If they, if they lose the Super Bowl, it's like, ah, you lost the Super Bowl. But now if when the Patriots do lose a Super Bowl, and we've lost two, so I know it happens, the whole world just sit there and gloats at us. It's like they're so excited that the Patriots didn't win. You know, they give a shit that their team is terrible, that they root for the Browns, but their Super Bowl victory was that the Patriots lost. And I just – it drives me nuts. So you, I, I got to hear it from everybody on the planet. That I get text messages from Facebook messages. Your team sucks, blah blah blah. It's like, yeah, my team sucks. They lost a game, the Super Bowl, but they've won five in the last you know twelve years. You're right, we're awful, you know. So no, been to seven. Is, is it been to seven in twelve years? And well, it's it's actually since two thousand one. So whatever that sixteen years, they've been to seven. They've won five of them. Okay. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's almost 50% of the Super Bowls in the last 16 years they've been to. Actually, this is eight. So what is that? I don't know. The numbers are incredible when you think about it. So in 2001 to 2018, so seven, 17 years, they've. this is their eighth one that they've been to. That's pretty good. That's pretty good numbers. I'll take that. And I know it's all kind of crashing down in about two or three years. It's going to be really bad but i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it then i'm gonna have to go back to being like a browns fan oh i just said you're just trying to ride it out while you can you have to you have to ride it i mean you it's all waves but man it's, it's pretty it's pretty good it's pretty good and i like i like the fact that everybody hates my team it's not so bad it's not so bad i i kind of enjoy it do you see um do you see i i posted an article on lincoln and liberty about Whoever, whoever that was, that ESPN commentator talking oh, about. Oh, I did see if it. You, yeah, if you, if you don't, if you want the Patriots to fail, then really it's just jealousy. You can be mad at them if they beat your team for a minute, but overall, 
you can't be angry that someone's just really successful at what they do. Yeah. And, I, uh, I've said and, that. And my, yeah. My buddy, he commented and he, he said, uh, that's not true. I love the Falcons and I still hate them. Yeah. And, and I could like, yeah, he said that the Falcons have been really successful for the last ten years too. And you asked him if he'd been, if he'd been drinking, <laughs> and he says maybe. I think he was. He was at Shot Show when that happened, so uh, I'm confident that he was. <laughs> okay, so that brings me up to one other thing because my Instagram's been loaded up with Shot Show stuff. So that's yeah. a that's a goal for mansplain everything for in two years that we go to Shot Show. Dude, so I was I was trying to explain to Kate, David. Are you familiar with Shot Show? Just a little bit. I've, I've never okay. been like that, but I've, I've seen a lot of the pictures and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So basically, once a year in Vegas, huge anything firearms, tactical, anything weapons related, anything like that, uh, is it's a week long um, exhibit uh, in Vegas. So I was trying to, I was telling Katie what Shot Show was because uh-huh. I was looking at the photos online, and uh, and Katie didn't know what Shot Show was, and I was explaining her to her what it was and Lola who's seven was listening to me explain this and I was like everybody that does something firearms related has a firearms company uh, manufactures firearms teaches firearms any firearms product they're at this event in Las Vegas for a week and Lola goes daddy shouldn't you be there then <laughs> I was like Lola absolutely yeah I, think I have to go now because my own seven year old recognizes it yeah I mean that's Absolutely, we d- we definitely need to uh, we need to make that happen. That would be fantastic. Okay, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we're not even saying the next two years. We'll just say next year we're going. Got it. <laughs> just so happens to be in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> what's You're the one? Bro. I'm sorry. What? I you can meet your wife. I've got well, she's not. But I think. But I'm, I'm Tony, you you and Elena met in Vegas, right? No, we didn't meet in Vegas. No, she, um, yeah, no, we met in Arizona, but it was like the month after we were we started seeing each other. I was in Vegas for a month, and uh, she came to visit me like on the weekends okay. and stuff there. So we That's spent a lot of time in Vegas. Yeah, we got I, I we got engaged heard the in story Vegas from the the other side of that situation. Say what? I just I the the first story that I got was the other side of that. I don't know what the other side of that story was. Well, the other side was you went to Vegas and <laughs> messed around on so-and-so with some girl and then ended up getting married to her. Oh, no, no, no. So that's, that's not, that was, that's not even true. That was a different Vegas trip, but thanks for putting that out on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm confident you're going to delete that. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. No, that was, that was before I had met, uh, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, that was different. That was different altogether. That, yeah, that was. I know who you're talking David, about now. Uh, Tony used to date a, a good friend of mine that worked with me in Clayton County. They dated for how long? Like a year, almost a year, something like that. Who? No, the Clayton County. No, little Amy. Yeah, no, we we didn't date that long. We didn't date okay. that long. We dated about as long as her height. <laughs> So it was, I mean, it was probably four or five months, maybe. Okay. All right. Yeah. It wasn't that long. At least I don't think it certainly wasn't a year. No. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to blow me up. Sorry. My bad, man. (laughs) Well, 
What's that? Pretty much done. What's that? I think we're pretty much done. I think so. I, th- I think we've hit it. We nailed it as Sweet. usual. <laughs> so, man, hey, we appreciate you having you on, though, especially on short notice yeah, like absolutely. that. So, we'll, absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate We'll have to we'll have to bring you back on as a pundit, you know, when things like this kind of pop up, we'll come in, we'll give you a holler to give us your your expertise and your take. <laughs> there you go. I'm here for you. All right, buddy. We like it. <laughs> cool. So Thanks. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good rest of your night. We would really appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes and give us a good review and subscribe. Check back with us later this week when we talk to Tennessee whiskey bootlegger Matt Nuga. Thanks for listening to Mansplain Everything.